0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Heads or Tails podcast hosted by myself, Matt McLaurin. Well, I'm excited about today's leadership podcast, Heads or Tails, because I get to introduce to you one of our new friends and dear friends, Donna Pisani, who recently spoke at our church. Her and her husband, Dennis, uh, had just recently transitioned their church of 30 years in Washington, D.C., um, called Capital City Church, and she's got an amazing leadership story. She's also authored an incredible book, which I talk about in this episode. So why don't you lean in, buckle up, and be a part of this episode with Donna Pisani. What I what yeah. I wanted to do was let's 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 go back to um, so you you guys basically got married out of a discipleship situation.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: which I, I love.
1: <laughs> you were the
0: mentee, and uh, yeah. and you guys fell in love. You got married. Um, God, the Lord put DC on your heart. Um, and then you guys stepped into that journey as highly relational leaders and then you started a church and you just 30 years later which is just recently you guys stepped away and transitioned so let's go to the beginning I want to hear from a leadership perspective what were some of the mistakes made what were some of the things that like you could say oh man this we did this wrong or we did that wrong and if you could go back and do differently what would you do
1: Wow, we're going to start right off with the mistakes. That's great.
0: <laughs> Let's just stop <laughs> um, there. <no.
1: laughs> I love it. I think, um, well, I mean, we made like a lot of mistakes. Um, I think um, probably the first one was we are highly relational. So probably from the get-go, we were not necessarily um, systems people you can only build so far with just relationships. So we probably should have built systems in, um, from the beginning. Um, I also think that um, a couple, maybe, um, so here's the thing in the the very beginning is that we empower people, um, I think in the beginning stages, because we really didn't understand leadership is uh, we loved people. Who, I don't know that we spent, as much time training them as we should have. And Mm -hmm. by training, I'm saying not just leadership principles. Like I think leadership principles are important. You need to know how to build a team. You need to know how to, uh, there's accountability. Um, I think um, as the church began to grow, um, our empowering of leadership if you're not careful, you can lose the side of the discipleship piece, which is seeing the transformation take place. So sometimes as the church is growing, as our church was growing, we're trying to fill in slots, you know, because mm-hmm. you wanna put in people in leadership. And um, so you're looking for the first available person to put into that space, anybody who's willing to lead, anybody who's willing to, we usually pulled, pulled leadership out of people who are already serving the house. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get so busy trying to build that sometimes You can neglect the leadership in the house because you're assuming that they're self-feeding and you're assuming that they're growing spiritually and i think um, probably the first mistake is assumption leadership you're assuming that those people are doing good and they may be producing they may be like the biggest multipliers of team and everything else and the assumption is that they're doing okay spiritually but for us i think probably one of the biggest mistakes was just assuming that that's what was happening um, and then you can only go so large in a in an organization before people begin to crack under the pressure. And ultimately, our goal, the mission statement for our church, was leading people to a thriving relationship with Christ. And so um, we had to like revisit what did our leadership pipeline look like? Did we have discipleship and mentoring pieces in there? Um, some of the the org chart, there were natural mentors in our organization, but sometimes they weren't natural mentors. They were just like. Um, get the job done, but not necessarily um, spiritually growing. So we kind of, that was, t- for us was a huge, um, that while we're building a church on the mission of leading people to a thriving relationship, some of our leaders weren't thriving. And um, so that was probably one of the biggest things was making sure that we are mentoring our leaders. Do you guys do that? I mean, one of the things I love about your church is that it feels healthy and um, it feels like people are growing I mean, you guys, your heart is to really see people in Jesus, and you're you're yeah. not trying to outpace. I think that would be the thing: is that you can't out your growth can't outpace the spiritual depth. Mm. I think that's probably one of the that would be like the big mistake is like our growth outpaces the spiritual depth.
0: Yeah, that's such a good. I think that's a really great way to to see it because I think leaders like us they want growth. But it's kind of like you're out, like that really is outrunning God. Because if the people wow. who you're leading aren't growing, aren't being discipled, like you say, then they're not experiencing the depth and the growth in their own walk with the Lord, their own discipleship, their own following Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're trying to lead them to a place they're not even there yet. Then that's that to me. I think, you know, just thinking about you, hearing you say it and then processing it myself, I think that's the danger zone is when we kind of get out of our depth, you know, and as leaders. And so, um, I, and I
1: don't see And I don't see you guys as that. I know that some churches have uh, their hunger for growth in numbers mm-hmm. outweighs their growth in depth. But you right. guys really have a real heart to see people grow, and so I don't see that in your church. But I would say that was one of the mistakes that we made.
0: Um, but, yeah, I think that's a very good reminder. And I think it's also, to me, church growth is so linked to, our growth. Like yeah. our church is not going to grow any bigger than I'm willing to grow, you know, as a, as a, as a person and the heart and my own relationship with Jesus. So very good answer. I like that a lot. That's a good reminder. Okay. Now I want to ask you about your book. Um, before you came and spoke at our church, I really didn't know much about the book. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to learn to, to, to more to more about that. Tell me how how a book came about. How did it come out of you? Um, I'm just interested in like when people write books. There's obviously a, a, a thing that's. Would you say it's like a burden, you know, that you want to you want to kind of express through the pages of a book? Talk to us about the book. Tell me tell me about it. How did it come about, and what were your hopes and dreams with what it would accomplish? Well,
1: there was a twofold. Part of that, Matt. Um, the first one was that um, I became an empty nester, <laughs> so it's like, at that? <laughs> time, so let me write a book. Um, the second thing was our church was full of these beautiful millennials who um, were incredibly gifted. And at that t- season in Washington, D.C., I mean, I don't know that people realize the government's really run by 20-year-olds, <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. writing all the bills and the laws and everything. But um, they were frustrated because they didn't understand the power of process. And um, and so constantly meeting with um, people in our church, the biggest dilemma was, you know, they they were like out of college and everything was moving slower than they wanted. Where I know, because I'm a little bit further on in the game that um, you're really um, the prize is not just like what you're hoping for. The prize is the process and how God transforms us in the process. So the title of the book is the power of not yet. And um, about that time, I heard a Ted talk from Carolyn DeWork, who is a professor at Stanford And she had done a study called the power of yet. And what this was, was she, um, went into several schools and uh, like a high school, for instance, um, did a study where they tried to grade the seniors papers, um, instead of just a pass fail grade, it was not yet. And when they graded these, these seniors papers, not yet, um, it created more of a success rate because the pass fail mindset is like, um a finite mindset kind of, and they even it stays in your brain. When you feel like you're either passing or failing, when you feel like you're failing, your brain shuts down. But when you mm. live in a zone of not yet, you begin building building like whole, your brain is on fire with possibility. And so when you start thinking about how God designed our brains to live in endless possibilities, um, that means to me that there's power and process. So we don't pass or fail, like whether it's taking 10 years or 10 seconds. Mm. God's whole purpose is to transform us in the process. So that was kind of the heart behind it. And as I wrote the book, actually, it was, I mean, there were moments, Maddie, where I felt like God was sitting next to me, just writing the words for me. And then there was other moments where I felt like I was birthing four children at the same time. So, you know, wow. it, was a, it was a bit of a battle, And but I loved what came out of it. So it's a real easy wow. read,
0: very short. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, the book is called "The Power of Not Yet." We'll put a link in out in the episode description on the podcast, so people right. can can grab it if you're listening right now and you're thinking, "I want to read that book," and I think you should because it'll be great. Okay, next question. Um, again, leadership is is our theme. Um, it, leadership is always full of seasons and transition. Even seven years now at Colonial Church, I've witnessed mini seasons, and then the one big season that I would call probably the last seven years. Um, but then there's also transitions. You and Dennis just transitioned um, out of arguably probably the biggest season <laughs> of your life, planning, um, you know, Capital City Church with senior pastors. Um, what a journey, what an amazing kind of um you know, 30 years, but can you tell us, talk to us, talk to me about this transition. I want to know, um, how did you do it? Tell us just, just how you did it kind of roughly. And then I would love to know, how did you know it was the right time as a leader to transition?
1: That's a good question. Um, Dennis and I love, we love pastoring. Um, and while it wasn't always easy to pastor cause you're pastoring people, you know, hmm. people aren't always easy, but people are like the greatest joy at the same time. Um, you know, we've been doing this for 30 years. My husband is 72 years old and um, we just really f- I mean, when you're 72, um, it already feels like it's going to be another season. And so uh, we had been praying about what this transition would look like, been praying about it for probably five years and just we were um, going towards transitioning towards our son, Evan, who is 25. And we were on a on a timeline. He was you know set up in a bunch of like counseling and mentoring and all types of things to make sure he was ready. And honestly, we we're going to reassess in, in um, this year. And when we all sat down, to to reassess it. We didn't feel like he was, it was quite time for him to do it. We wanted to make sure that we didn't just throw somebody into a position because we, that was our timeline. Um, We wanted to make sure that he was ready. And so we kept praying about like, Lord, you must have another solution. And we were out to dinner with our friends, Mark and Laura Batterson, who um, we have tilled the same soil together. We've done events together. We've done prayer meetings together. We've been friends for 20, lived on the same Hill for 20 years. And just felt like the Holy Spirit was present. And um, so we asked Mark and Laura if they would pray about, um, if we could transition thirty a 30-year 30 legacy of miracles and life changes and surrenders and prayer to them. And they prayed about and felt like it was time. And then Mark has just recently hired Evan. And Evan will be training to plant a church one day down the road. So sometimes in our own mind, we think things have to go A, B, C, D. But I really mm-hmm. love how the Holy Spirit lines it up. And even in a space where you're like, I'm not sure what the future is going to look like. I mean, really, that is the power of not yet, just keeping a surrendered posture. And Dennis and I, at the end of the day, we never built the church under the name of our church. We built it yeah. under the name of, above all names, Jesus. So to us, what a beautiful picture of two churches becoming one. That's mm-hmm. incredible, especially in D.C. It's so divisive. we like, let's show this community that we don't have to, it's not about the name of the church, it's a name of Jesus. So that's how it happened. And transition is not always comfortable or easy. And we'd like to control that moment. But I think uh, what I've learned, in, in fact, what we did with Mark was we, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about how it takes 10,000 hours of work to, um, or practice to become a master of anything in his book. Um, do you remember what his, he wrote this phenomenal book. I can't remember the yeah, title. I
0: know one I he the one yeah.
1: Yeah. And so we, Thought how powerful it is. It's not maybe not ten. Um, yes, get good at what you're doing. But what if, what if building the church is ten thousand surrenders, mm. ten thousand miracles? Great. So really, when we transitioned to Mark, we gave him a jar that represented ten thousand stones, ten thousand life changes, ten thousand surrenders, um, because that's really what church is. Wow! Right?
0: That's yeah. beautiful. I love that. Um, you guys are such a such a shining example for Jill and I um, about. How you how you can do that season well, and how you can you can actually do it the way that God wants to do it, and and I just love the story, even though it wasn't necessarily smooth and it wasn't exactly how you thought it would go, and Evan's kind of role in that, you know, and I just even even just thinking through him and his flexibility, I think, um, is really special as well. Um, so just talking about that longevity though, kind of leads, you were kind of leading me into that next question that I was going to ask you, which is pastoring a church in Washington, DC. Um, you know, longevity of ministry was there 30 years. Um, what is some advice you would give other leaders, um, pastors like me when it comes to staying healthy for that long, um, staying in it for that long. I'm sure there was some, you know, some stages in that, um, in that 30 years where you guys wanted to quit and you wanted to kind of just walk away, what would you speak to someone who's maybe, you know, starting out maybe someone that's five or 10, 15 years in um, about your journey of longevity?
1: Well, um, a couple things. First one is um, I'm reminded of the story when um, do you remember when Jesus was uh, talking with the disciples and and he asks them, "Who do you say that I am?" Mm. And Peter answers, boldly answers, and he says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And and um, Jesus, like, "Well done, you know the Father really has revealed this to you, Peter. Well done." And we all know mm. Peter's personality. I, I feel like I'm Peter. Like he was like, finally got to win. You know, he's kind of like high fiving everybody, all his uh, his homies. And then they're walking down the road a little bit further, and Jesus says to Peter. And he says to the whole group, Hey, I'm going to be going to the cross and I'm going to be dying and I'm going to be suffering pretty soon. And Peter pulls, now he's already on the like foundation of that past wind. he pulls Jesus aside and he says to him, uh, no, you don't have to do this. And Jesus, and then next words to Peter is get behind me, Satan. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the leadership lesson to me in this, it, it was profound. And I feel like this has been a constant wrestle and battle throughout my life. Um, you only tell someone to get behind you when they're in front of you. Mm. So the first calling that Peter had in his life was follow me. And so Peter was no longer following Jesus, but he was in front of him trying to control the situation. Wow, that's great. And I think that's such a powerful thought. And why was he controlling it? Well, a few minutes before Jesus was the son of God, he was he was powerful and we re- I mean, Peter's whole influence in life changed because he was following Jesus. Now Jesus is telling him that he's going to show up different. He's going to be suffering. And Peter didn't want to, he, he's like, I'm not so sure I want to follow the suffering Christ. I want to follow the powerful Christ. Mm-hmm. So when God shows up different than we'd like him to, then sometimes we forget oh. to follow. We begin to lead. Now, I don't know about you, Maddie, but I am a recovering control freak. <laughs> some days better than others. And so if I feel like God isn't, showing up the way I want him to. So even in leadership, like I'm praying or for somebody's life to change or show me how to deal with this person or I'm praying for growth or finances or whatever it is. If God doesn't show up the way, like sometimes he shows up powerfully. And sometimes the powerful side of God is you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to process this. You're gonna to have to it's gonna be a little bit hard. Well I'm okay with the powerful side in the immediate miracle. I, I want to control the side where it's hard. And so I think the biggest leadership lesson for me is we're not called to be leaders, we're called to be followers first, and our assignment is leadership. And if we get those two confused, then we get messed up. So I think sometimes people are like, I'm called to be a leader. Well, I don't know, I think you're called to be a follower, and your assignment is leading.
0: Yeah. So I think
1: that to me was biggest wrestle. And the biggest lesson for me in leadership was anytime I started getting like, feeling anxious or overwhelmed, or I can't figure this out, or I want to quit because it's too hard. It's because I had gotten in front and Jesus is telling me, he's not, I don't think he's calling me Satan, nor is he calling you Satan, but he's saying, Hey, hello, get behind me again. Isn't that powerful?
0: That is so good. I think that, that, that applies to everyone in any stage of leadership because if you're starting out and you, you've not got any experience but you want to step in or you've been at it for a while, that's a great reminder for someone like me at the stage that I'm at. Um, I'm about to hit 40 and, you know, I've got to keep it about the real thing, which is before any of this was, you know, I'm here at church right now, I'm in my office. Before if any, any of this ever came about, I was just a follower of Jesus and I still am a follower of Jesus and that's that's a beautiful, beautiful reminder. Well, Donna, thank you so much for talking to me today. You're an absolute wealth of wisdom. And Jill and I, we love you guys so much. Um, I'm looking forward to becoming best friends with Dennis um, over the next few years. Um, But thank you for talking to me and um, coming on this leadership podcast. I know that there are going to be many, many people that listen to this because you came and spoke at our church and so our church community is going to eat it up. And then hopefully many other people as well um, will buy the book and and, and listen to what you got to say. You're a wealth of wisdom. We really appreciate you.
1: Thanks, Matt. It was a huge honor to be here. We love you guys so much. Thank you.
0: Well, thanks for listening today. We pray that this episode encourages you and helps you in your own leadership journey. We'd love for you to subscribe and why don't you leave us a review. Until next time, much love.